and for the rest of us. We're going to get into God's Word this morning. We're actually going to be spending some time on, well, on the same subject we've been dealing with the last few weeks, with the idea of just kind of rethinking our lives and who we are. And actually, it's a message that is designed to bring revival to our lives. I would experience, I can experience, will experience a good time together in the Lord. Title of the message is, Who Are You? It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. That is the actual text that we're going to be using, but we'll be using other verses of Scripture, as we usually do. Okay, who are you? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, verse 22 through 24. You were taught with regards to the former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in attitude of the mind, and to put on the new self created to be like God, in true righteousness and in holiness. This is not a passage of Scripture that we're not familiar with. In fact, this whole concept of putting on the new and getting rid of the old is one that we recognize is part of the Christian walk, putting on the, on the new and removing the old. So let's spend more time with it. Father, as we read the Word, pray, Father, now that the Word has come forth and is anointed, I pray hearts and minds will be open to you that we'll receive from you this day. And Father, as the message comes forth, Lord, it'll hit the inner man. And Father, will be compelled to, well to listen more, to dig in, and then each one of us can recognize who we truly are in you. Great celebration can occur within our lives, and we'll begin to see things differently than maybe we do today. We receive that glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, it was Friday night, and this guy had just gotten paid, so his pockets were full of money. But he found that he had nowhere to go, he had nothing to do, he had nobody he could do anything with, and so he figured, oh well, you know, I'm just going to go home and relax. Well, as he was walking along the path to go home, he noticed a small flyer that was nailed to the telephone pole. The flyer said, Midnight Harbor Cruise. Music and dancing, all you can eat, all you can drink. 50 bucks. Departs from Dock C, Midnight Shark. The man said, hey, that sounds pretty good. Wow, I've got something to do. I can't pass up this great deal. So he headed down to Dock C at midnight. When he got there, there was no boat. Nobody was there. So he figured he must have read the, he must have misread the flyer or possibly the boat had already left that he had missed. So he decided the only thing he could do was just go home. So he turned to leave and just at that time, bunk, he got hit in the back of the head, knocked him out cold. Well, the next thing he knew, it was morning. And he was floating in a dinghy about 100 yards off the shore. Checked his pockets, his pockets were empty, money was gone. He had this lump in the back of his head. He sat up and started looking around and he noticed about two, uh, about 20 yards or so away from him was another guy in another dinghy with a bump on his head. He called out to the other guy. He said, hey, he said, do they serve breakfast on this cruise? <laughs> the other guy shouted back, I don't think so. At least they didn't do it last time. Now, what I find humorous about that is oftentimes it kind of sounds like our life or maybe somebody else's life. People doing the same thing over and over again, expecting some kind of miraculous change in their lives. So I mean, falling for the same tricks, for the same lies, and ending up with a lump on our heads. And, and you think about it when it happens to you. Why am I keep doing this? Why? Why am I doing the same thing over and over again? Why am I tripping over the same things? Why? 
Now last week we noticed that change doesn't begin with behavior. Change, well, it has to begin with our thinking. That's important. Mark that down. Think about it. If you really want to change your life, you're going to have to think in a whole new way. It's about learning to think with the mind of Christ. And when you learn to think like with the mind of Christ, then you're going to learn, well, you're going to find out who you truly are. So this week I want to look at that a little bit. I want to look at how we can learn to think like Jesus. Last week we saw thinking like Jesus, and now I want to talk a little bit about how we can learn to think like Jesus. Our minds are like a computer. You've heard it before. Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put into your mind, it's going to come out. If you fill your body with junk food, then you're not going to perform very well. You're not going to perform the way you were designed to perform. Now, if I want to become physically healthy, then one of the things I have to do is go to my refrigerator and clean it out. Get rid of all that junk food. All that junk food. You know, it's no easy to do that. But it's a whole lot harder to get the junk food out of our mind than getting the junk food out of the refrigerator. When I talk about junk food in our minds, I'm talking about the old ways of thinking. I'm talking about those old empty values, those old lies that, that we keep telling ourselves over and over again. So the question this morning is, how in the world can I clear the clutter from my mind? Things like, we, we, we have these messages we give to ourselves from time to time. Things like, you know, I'll never be able to control my anger. I, I want to, but I keep blowing up. I push my buttons. I, I just wish, I wish I lived on an island and then I wouldn't have this problem. I'm tired and I tried and I tried and I tried. Sometimes I can't control my lust. I'll never be free from my addiction. I know I, I'm never, ever, ever going to fall in love again. I did that once and my heart was broken. I'm not doing that again. Somebody might say, well, you know what? I'm looking at my life. It's going over and over. The same thing. There's no joy, no excitement. There's problem after problem. My life is meaningless. It really doesn't matter much. So I'm just going to do what I want to do. Live my life the way I want to live it. And that'll be the end of it. Look the person aside of you and say, the Lord Jesus Christ has called us into freedom. The Lord Jesus Christ has called us, and if he wants he wants to call us in freedom. That's important. That's his desire above all. That's his desire. See, he has a higher standard. There's a higher standard that God wants us to live. And I think as Scripture reveals to us, it's time for us to wake up and become the new people Christ, Christ has desired us to be. He's called us. In Romans, the 13th chapter, put that verse up. Look at the... He said, and I love this verse 11, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because what? Because salvation is nearer than when you first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery or dissension and in jealousy. Look at verse 14. Rather, close yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He said this, and do this, understanding the present time. 
What he's talking about is I want you to look at the moment you're living in and I want you to seize that moment. If you seize that moment, you'll be able to accomplish a purpose. The right purpose for your life. He's not talking about just passing of a day after day after day. He's talking about moments of decision that come into our lives. Those decisive moments when we have to say, yes, this is what I'm going to do. No more old. There's got to be something new. He goes on to say, for the hours already come. So wake up from your slumber. Or we could say, wake up from your routine. Because your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. For the night is nearly over. Day is almost here. But put aside all the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And then he says, let's behave decently. As in daytime. Not carousing. Caught up in all the whims of our own desires and wants. Putting ourselves first. But he says, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And if we're going to rethink, or we're going to get a real good value, a view of ourselves, and we're going to have to put aside some things, we're going to have to get rid of that junk food that's in our mind. Junk food that we might even realize it's there. It's just there. But not realizing how it destroys us. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 says this. He said, we were taught with regards to the former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of our minds and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He said, made new in the attitudes of our minds. In other words, if you want to be the right, a new person, don't start with your behavior. And that's our world's solution. Somehow modify behavior. Change the behavior. Change your location. Change the situation. The problem is that when you change addresses, you take yourself with you. You show up. You know, it's like you can't outrun yourself, man. I try to hide, but I find myself every time. I mean, I'll put on camo clothes and try to blend in, but I still find myself, here it is, you know. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom doesn't start with a change of behavior. Because if you want freedom and you want hope and you want vision, join your life, then it has to begin with the way you think. Amen. And that's what he was saying. He said, I want you to be made new in the attitudes of your mind. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 would say this. Look what it says. I'm not kidding you. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will. You know, people say, I want to know what God's will is. Or someone says, I know what God's will is. Oh, fine. I'm glad you do. But is it because your mind has been transformed? Is that how you know? You'll never know the mind of God unless your mind is renewed. Because the world says, you, the Bible says you need to be transformed from the pattern of this world. And if you renew it by the pattern of by this world's pattern, change, transform, then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will truly is. Now look at this, His good and pleasing and perfect will. If you want to know the will of God, you're going to have to think His way. You're going to have to think his way. Here's what he's saying. He's saying I want you to stop conforming 
to the pattern of this world. And he said, I want you to begin. Notice this. When you stop conforming to the pattern of this world, then God begins to transform you into the pattern of his word and of his will. I thought that was wonderful, that picture of all the, of all the uh, zebras. Although I did find out that zebras do, can tell each other apart. Something about the pattern in their stripes. They actually can see that. I, I studied that picture, but I couldn't tell Joe from, 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 from Jack. I just couldn't. They, they all look the same to me. Performing. All fitting in, trying to, you know, when we were growing up, we had that old Play-Doh mold. You know, you put Play-Doh and you squeeze it and a little star comes out. Or whatever shape it is. And so oftentimes, what's what the world wants? He wants us to put us in this big, you know, this big molder and just kind of squeeze us out to be a certain way. He just wants us to conform to this pattern. To destroy us. It's important for us to understand the process of change. It can happen. But to understand it, we need to understand the difference between conforming and transforming. To conform says I'm going to fit into a certain mold. To be made the same. To accept without question the custom and traditions and prevailing opinions of others. I want to fit into that Plato mold. I want to just fit into the world around me. I want to be accepted, be like everybody else. I don't want to make any waves, you know. I don't want to look and act any. I just kind of, you know, got to go with the flow. Got to go with the folks I'm hanging with. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Stop trying to fit in because you don't belong there. Not if you name the name of Christ. You don't belong there. Knock it off. Stop trying to fit into where you do not belong. For the followers of Jesus Christ, we, we belong to a different kingdom. We have made a pledge and allegiance to a different king. We live under a different set of values, a different economy, a different way of relating to the world around us. Well, Pastor Bob, don't you understand? Oh, we gotta be, it's, it's, what you're doing, it's not socially acceptable. I mean, it's the new norm. Everybody seems to be doing it. Have you ever bothered to ask God what he thinks about this new norm? He wants us to live under a different set of values. And that's the reason why the Lord says, don't conform to the ways of this world. Stop and think about what you're doing and the outcome thereabout. So I want you to ask yourself a question. This norm, this new fitting in kind of thing, how does it line up with the truth of my word? And that's what Paul goes on to say. Look, don't conform. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so transformation is different than being conformed. And what is the difference here? Well, transformed, to be transformed means that I am being changed in nature. Thank God for that. I was looking for a picture, something I could use that would describe it. I thought, you know what? The butterfly again, it always works. You know, we, we get this worm, but through the power of God and through the word of God, we are transformed into something beautiful. It's a transformation, a change made. We no longer have to crawl around on our bellies, but now we can fly. We can enjoy. Be transformed. Be transformed. Change the nature, the character, the personality of something. Look at the difference. Performing has to do with behavior. Fitting into a mold transformation has to do with character. Being changed from the inside out. You say, well, Pastor Bob, how does one actually be transformed? How does that actually happen? Well, last week, we said we wanted to reclaim a word called repentance. 
Because the idea today, oftentimes within the framework of Christianity, we talk about repentance, we talk about gloom and doom, we talk about fire from above and destroying us and you need to change and are you going to hell? And that's the kind of message that we give out. But when we looked at it, repentance simply means to think differently. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. And there's another word we also need to discover, rediscover. It's a word that is often misunderstood. It's the word confess. To confess. Confess. If I confess, it means that I'm saying the same thing. I'm going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm going to be saying the same thing as Jesus. That's confession. What we've done is we've misunderstood it. We, we brought it down to confess my sins. It's all about sins. Confessing it. But it's much more than just confession of sins. Much more. It's confession. Faith. Now understand, I understand that, you know, sins, confessing of sins is extremely important. It's part of forgiveness. And when I confess, Jesus and God Almighty forgives. It's important. But that seems to be where we stop. We stop at, God, I'm sorry. I won't do this again. I, I blew it again. Please come into my life and you know, I, I promise I'll never do it again, you know, you know, and that seems to be the confession. But you can make those confessions and nothing change in your life. Nothing. Think about it. How many times have you run into something, done something, and you did it over and over again, and you got tired and said, I'm not doing this anymore. And tell somebody, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm going to stop. Or someone says to you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it won't happen again, I did it wrong, and I, I feel bad about it. it. Just give me a second chance, a third chance, I won't do it anymore. And then you find yourself back in the dinghy with a lump on the back of your head. Have you ever noticed how we're not very creative when it comes to sin? Because each of us have the same four or five things that keep tripping us up. The same few things that trip us up. So we're not very original when it comes to, to our sin. Now understand when I talk about confessing, confessing our sins brings forgiveness. But it does not bring change. It brings forgiveness, but it doesn't bring change. As I mentioned to you, there's another kind of confessing that we need to make, and that's the confessing of faith. And I'm not talking about name it and claim it kind of mentality, possibility kind of profession thing. I'm not talking about that. Because that kind of confession, a confession of faith, will change the way we live. And there's a world of difference in just believing something good's going to happen, confessing, asking for that forgiveness, and truly and truly letting our lives be transformed and changed. When I talk about confessing sin, it says yes. Confessing is yes, God, you know, this is what I have done. And I, and I blew it, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. When I confess faith, I'm saying, this is what God says about me. This is what God says who He is. And we can confess that. And if you want your mind to be renewed, then you've got to begin to think differently. You need to begin to say what God says. You need to begin to think what God thinks. Confession leads to repentance. Saying what God says actually 
needs you to change the way you think about life and the way you think about relationships. When I say what God says, it, it, it changes my values and my money and it, because oh, I'm thinking more like Him in those areas. It's not just simply saying what God said about what I did. It's about saying what God says I can become and I will be. I'm a new creature. That's my confession of faith. I'm in Christ Jesus. And I know that I am because I, I have His word on it. My sins have been forgiven. How do I know that? I have His word on it. God's not ashamed of me. How do I know? I have His word on it. His Son has set me free. I am free indeed. How do I know that? I have His word on it. I can do all things through Christ. He'll meet all of my needs. How do I know that? I have His word on that. I understand there's pain and there's purpose for my life. God Almighty has spoken that, but He said He'll never forsake me. He never will leave me. Amen. Praise God. How do I know that? I have His word on that. And I believe if we spent more time confessing our faith, saying what God says about us, we would need less time confessing our sins. If we would say, if we would say more, confess more of what God says about us, we'd need less time confessing our sin. You say, why? Why, Pastor Bob? Because it's simple. It's simple. Our thoughts control our life. Manage your mind because your thoughts control your life. Amen. Look at Ephesians 4, 20, 23 again. To be made new in the what? Attitude of our minds. Now, it's interesting because if you go back into Ephesians 4 and, and start from verse 1, you're going to know that Paul was writing. In fact, he writes in a very pretty exclusive list of all the things people needed to guard their hearts against. Those things they need to stop doing. He mentions things like anger and tolerance. He mentions bitterness and slander, lying, stealing, hatred. None of those things. We don't see any of those things in our culture today, right? When he ends the sentence, after identifying all of these things that we need to stop doing, he then says, right there, to be made new in the attitude of our minds. To be made new. Look at it. To be made new. You know, something to be made new means to renovate. We're called to renovate. Have you ever put a, <laughs> worked on your house and did some renovation on your house? To renovate means that there's going to be a change made. Paul says if you're going to be any kind of change in life, then you're going to have to experience true renewal. You're going to have to be renovation. That renovation is going to happen, and renovation must happen in your mind. And if you've ever had to renovate your home, maybe you did a room or you did a bathroom, I don't know, you know that it's not instantaneous. It's a process. It's a mess. And anytime I've done any renovations in our house, I've had a companion. Right behind me with a vacuum cleaner. a mess. I, I want the project done. I can't visualize it in my mind, some might say, but I want it done and I don't want the mess. Can I get an amen? But it's a mess. There's a whole lot of inconvenience when you're doing renovation. There's a lot of unexpected things come up. 
You know, we redid the floor in, in the kitchen. I tore up the floor and I found this big hole in the middle of the floor where the old set of stairs was. Didn't expect that. I was going to try to build around it, but I realized that ain't going to work, you know. Where's Angela? I don't know. Last time I saw her, she was walking towards the hole. <laughs> it's gone. Huh? Terrible things. So I figured I need to do something with that floor, you know. You got to deal with the mess. Renovation means you got to deal with the mess. You may not want to, but you have to. You can't just put paint on it and say it's okay. You got to change some things. You got to remove some things. Because in the end, it'll turn out pretty good. The left hand side of what it looked like before, and the right hand side shows what it is now. That's not our kitchen, by the way. That's how it started, that's how it ends. It'll turn out okay, but there's a process that takes place. And you know that renovation reminds no different. There's a process that needs to take place. And so you say, well, Pastor Bob, where do you begin in this renovation? You begin with, <laughs> right there. What is it? You know. You got to demolish some things. Yeah. I would love to be a backhoe driver, just, you know. In fact, they said the number one thing that guys love, would love to do, construction, is tear things down with a big old backhoe. Big old back. I would love that. You know? Let somebody else clean up. Starts with demolition. You gotta rip out all the old stuff before you're able to see anything new. And it's the same thing with our mind. Renovation begins with demolition. Did you know that and I got this? Every every day you process between sixty thousand and eighty thousand thoughts. Every day. Now some of you ladies are thinking, not guys, they're probably like five hundred, you know. But that isn't true. This is all of us, okay? And if you, if you take the low number of 60,000, that means there's over 3,000 thoughts you process every single hour. One thing after another. And they form a pattern. They form pathways in your mind. And those pathways are, are built out of, of conclusions that we make. Relationships we've had in the past. We summarize certain experiences and things we added all together. Certain agreements that we make to ourselves, about ourselves, about our God. And Paul is saying, simply says, you know, before you can experience real change in your life, any real renewal, then some of these patterns, some of these pathways need to be broken down. They need to be discarded. They need to be demolished. Let me explain it to you this way. I've used this illustration before, so you probably will be familiar with it. About the elephant. When you have a baby elephant, the little baby elephant is going to live in captivity. What the trainer will do, and this, this has got to be true because I got it from the internet. He'll, he'll attach a chain to the little baby elephant's leg and then just take a stick and just stick it in the ground. Well, the little baby elephant, he tugs on it and stakes in the ground. He can't move it. So he figures where I have to be. He grows up thinking that he's bound. bound. That little baby elephant grows up, gets a little bit older. And, with the train, and the trainer keeps the chain on his leg. That trainer can actually take and unhook the chain from the stake and leave it attached the end to the elephant. The elephant still thinks that he's attached to the, to the chain which is attached to the stake. And that trainer can lead the elephant any place he wants just holding on to the chain, letting him move a little bit, but he's got the elephant. The elephant, I can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere because he feels the chain attached to his ankle. But if the, if the elephant knew 
If he knew that the chain wasn't attached to anything, he could wander around. But he doesn't realize he's free. He's not aware of his condition. And so what he does, he stays bound. And you've got this majestic animal, this amazing animal that could literally uproot trees with its strength. And spend the, but he spends the rest of his, his life just going nowhere. Chained to absolutely nothing. Living a lie about the condition of himself. You're one step ahead of me. You know where I'm going with this. You might be just like the elephant. You, you've grown up with certain chains around your life and and binds you a little bit, and it holds you back, things that hold you back, and you don't even realize in Jesus Christ you can be free. It's like the chains on the elephant. Those, the chains only have power because you, you continue to, to give in to them. Continue to be tied down to them. So it brings up the question we all have to ask ourselves, what do I need to, to, to be transformed and changed? What, what, what do I... You know, what are my chains? Is it guilt? Is it guilt for the things I may have done in the past? Is it regrets? I know some people do all kinds of things today, make all kinds of decisions because they're afraid of regret. What's the, maybe it's hopelessness. I don't know. What's the recording that keeps going over in your mind? What keeps you from really being silent and sitting still? Because if you do, then all of a sudden you get all these thoughts. So you've got to keep yourself amused. You've got to keep doing something because you don't want to spend time with yourself. Because you're afraid of what you're thinking. Chains. Recordings. Keep playing over and over again. Did you know that Jesus Christ is the author of grace and freedom? I just want to throw that out to you. Freedom from those chains that can, can rob you of hope. Rob you of your peace and of your joy. Can rob you of life itself. So that script that's been playing over and over again in your mind, telling you now that's enough. God says, I've written a whole new story for you. And he desperately wants you to live. Experience freedom. The joy. Amen. But it all comes down to what do you know about yourself? Because Jesus said this, he said, if you know the truth, the truth will what? Set you free. But you have to know the truth in order to be set free by the truth. I was trying to go through Psalm 107 and I was trying to break it down a few verses here and then I said, forget it. I'm just going to read the whole thing. You're just going to have to sit there and listen to me because there's no way in this world I could draw just a few things out of it. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands of the east and the west, the north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. Their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He led them by the straight way to the city which they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom. Talk about depression. Prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they rebelled. Notice this. For they rebelled against the words of God. And despised the counsel of the Most High. Why were they done and out? Why were they imprisoned? Why were they depressed and just caught up with stress? Because they rebelled against the word of God. They despised the counsel of 
most high. Verse 12. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down the gates of uh, bronze and he cuts down the bars of iron. Some become fools. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and he healed them and he rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice, thank, give thank offerings and tell of his works with the joy, songs of joy. Others went out from the sea in ships and they were merchants on high waters. Verse 24, and they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. And he, for he spoke and he stirred up a tempest and lifted high the waves. They mounted up into the heavens and they went down into the depths and their peril and their courage melted away. They reeled and, and staggered like drunken men. They were in their, at their wit's end. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out. Of, how many times did these people get themselves into trouble? All kinds of people. And you would say, you get what you deserve. You rebelled against God. You didn't take his word. Now you're in trouble. Sit in that little bit, okay? Because you're going to have to deal with that because you brought it on yourself. That's not what the Lord did. What did he do? They cried out to him and he didn't say, okay, now listen to me. He rescued them. He set them free. They had all kinds of bondages and they brought up on themselves. Decisions they made, they brought on themselves. He set them free. Set them free. Verse 29 says, He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea he hushed. Verse 30, and they were glad. And they grew calm. And he guided them to the desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds of men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people. Praise of the council of the elders. He turned the rivers into deserts, flowing springs into thirsty ground. As you go through this, you begin to see the blessing that the Lord bestowed upon those who called upon him. Called upon him. And in verse 42 says, The upright see and rejoice, for all the wicked will shut their mouths. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. Let's say Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let's say it together. Well, let's say it with enthusiasm. The passage we know. Therefore... There is no, now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. I'll tell you something, folks. There's two little words. Two little words that are only mentioned one time in Scripture. Two little words together. Nowhere else is it mentioned. No condemnation. That's the only where, this is the only place that those two little words are spoken together. And they're the most, two most beautiful words in all of Scripture. There is no condemnation. I mean, you don't have to fear God. You don't have to wonder if He's going to accept you or not going to accept you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. End of discussion. If you're in Christ Jesus, your whole life will change when you see yourself the way God sees you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature, creation. The old is gone and the new has Come. 
We're talking about God renovating your mind. And it begins by demolishing the old way of thinking. And the primary tool that he uses to do this demolition is the power of his word. Well, that's what Hebrews chapter 4 says. For the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and heart attitudes of the heart. It's like this life-giving scaffold. That's the word of God. A two-edged sword. It cuts the, out the, affliction, the, the infection and, and the scum of sin. The word of God smashes down any strongholds. It can break any chain. It will uncover and expose any lie if we let it do its work. If we let it do its work, it'll change the way we see God. It'll change the way we see the world and the way we see everything else. We need to be new, made new in our mind, the attitude of our mind. This is how it's done. Confession. Confess your faith. Say what God says about you. Let that confession change the way you think. And then it'll begin to change the way you live. Because when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about biblical thinking. Biblical thinking. It's talking about taking God at His word and saying what God says. Believing who He says you are and who He says He is. And building your life on that truth. But if you try to start with your behavior or good intentions, it'll fail every time. And I'm not talking about making promises to God. You know, I'm so sorry. I pooped in the corner. I won't ever do it again. With those big old puppy eyes, you know. Let me tell you something. Look to the person beside you and say, God's not interested in your promises. It's true. He is not interested in your promises. Life begins not with your promises. It begins with his promises. Amen. And we need to understand that. Amen. So I'm not saying you can poop in the corner and think it's okay. But I'm just telling you. Just, you know. See, God's not asking you to make promises. He never has. Promises you're not going to keep anyways. He's asking you to receive his promise. The promise only he can keep as we take in his word and spend time before him. When you confess the promises of God, the word of God, you're beginning to receive the promises of God into your life. And it's those promises and brought into your life, they, they begin to do their work in your life. I put down, I came up with 10, 10 promises. Now there are, there are thousands of promises in the scripture. And because the ceilings are falling down, I figured I didn't have enough time. So I'm only writing down 10. I gave you 10. But I want you to go over these ten. These are ten. These are ten, amen, promises that God made about you. The things he's done in our lives. Number one. Believe Jesus Christ died. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose again from the dead on the third day. Can you say amen? I'm a new creature in Christ. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You say amen after this, okay? It's kind of like a marriage thing. The Son has set me free. I am free indeed. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
He's able to do immeasurably more than I can, will ask or imagine according to his power that works, that's at work in me. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. Amen. If God's for me, who can be against me? Amen. Amen. This is the word of God. I know what he says is true. I got his word on it. Amen. Confession leads to repentance, folks. And when I say what God says, when I begin to say that, I begin to think things like God thinks. And that becomes the foundation to which I can build my life on. And when I begin to confess what Jesus says, repentance occurs and, and, and I, begin, I become strengthened. My very core is strengthened. I challenge you, you know, we said these 10, you know, I challenge you to make your own list of the promises God has made to you. Put them on the refrigerator, put them on your bathroom mirror, I don't know, take them by your phone, take a picture, I don't know, just get them around you so you can be able to recite these and know these truths every day of your life. Let these truths begin to renew your mind. Let the water of God's word begin to wash through your mind and cleanse you from all that stuff. That you don't need in your head anymore anyways. And you begin to build your life on these truths. And you'll gradually become a brand new person. He'll make a brand, these truths will make a brand new person out of you. You begin to think things, you begin to see things change in your life. You know, it'll be so slight. One day you just say, whoa. You know what? I'm not doing it anymore. Whoa. I'm not thinking like that anymore. A few months ago I would have popped them in the head, but I didn't. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, I'm feeling good. I seem fierce and different than I used to seem. Wow, thank you, Lord. Suddenly, wow, wow. Let me tell you something. If you were, are, or know someone who keeps waking up with a lump in the back of their heads, headed out in some dinghy, making the same mistake over and over again, it's time to change the way you're thinking. Amen. And it's time you begin to fill your, your head with God's word by putting it into your mouth and speaking the truth of God's word. Confession of your faith leads to repentance, to the changing of your mind. Amen. And that'll lead. That leads to the changing in your actions which will change your behavior in your life. We need to hold on to this promise. Being confident of this that you began a good work in what? And you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible says being confident. That is being convinced. Why? I'm convinced because I've got his word on it. I'm convinced that God, the work he's begun in my life, he will complete. I'm convinced he'll carry it on to completion. He finishes what he starts. But I warn you, you'll be challenged in this. The enemy is going to come. He's, he's going to whisper all these things in your mind. You're not as good as such and such. And, and you've got the same ideas and your same thoughts. And why are you trying to be different right now? You're not like all these other people. You just can't do it. Don't you understand? You know, remember what your dad said, your mom said, your circumstance, situation, you're no good. That's the way it is. And he keeps pumping you all that information. He doesn't want you living a new life. He's going to rattle your chain. He's going to whisper all those old lies. He'll try to discourage you and accuse you. Accuse you. He'll harass you and, and bring back memories of your past. But let me tell you something. Whenever the devil tries to remind you of the past, just remind him of his future. Let the word of God fill your mouth. 
Declare the truth about who God says you are. Take Him at His word. And then you will truly, truly, it will make you rethink the view of yourself, your God, those around you. Can you say amen? I just want us to bow our heads this morning in closing. I just want us to take a few moments and just search our hearts and find out those chains. Maybe what is it that's holding me back? What is it that caught up in my life and I'm doing the same thing over and over again? What chains need to be broken in my life? What is that one thing I need to be free from? Don't give us a whole gamut of things. Just look at one thing. That, that sin, that, that, that will over God's will, you, you need to confess before your God. And you'd be able to say, yes, you know, Lord, you're right. I've sinned against you. I've been doing my own thing. I've been thinking I could figure this all out myself. But I've sinned against your word. I've sinned against you and I've sinned against others. You might as well tell him because he already knows. But he wants you to be humble before him. The Bible makes promises. The promise is made that if we will confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the beginning. Now let's take confession to another level. Let's commit to confessing his word. You can just tell him in the quietness of your heart. Speak to him. Share the next few moments with him. As we go into a time of prayer, these altars are open. You have just, if the Lord leads upon your heart, pray one with another. But I want this to be just a moment of prayer. Time of prayer. Amen. Amen. Yahweh. Praise his holy name. Good to be in the house of the Lord. I pray that you'll take the message with you. You'll contemplate, think upon these things. Spend a little more time in his word and claiming his promises. Amen. Let's confess that more than ever before. Father, we want to thank you for the day you've given to us. We've assembled here this morning, Lord, to listen to your word, found time in song and message, Lord, and being able to spend a little time with you, Lord. I ask you to bless now as we leave this place and, well, Lord, just kind of prick our heart a little bit throughout the week to find time to spend time with you. Prepare our hearts for next week. As you receive the glory and the honor, we pray in all things. We love you much. Church said, Amen. Amen and Amen. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.